If you travel for work, you know to pack two suits, business and swim. You know with your Delta Sky Miles Business Amex card, buying that plane ticket for a business trip can get you closer to medallion status. You know that a meeting in Montana means visiting almost every national park. Yellowstone? Check. Because you're the chief excursion officer. It's why you're a Delta Sky Miles Platinum Business American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know business. The following presentation is brought to you by Sports Ethos. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David Isaac. This is the Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We are back after a little bit of layover. I was out of town last week for work. Just not in a place where we can record, could record, I guess, is, is the proper term there. But uh, we, we get to talk about a couple wins since the last time we've been here, Isaac. The, uh, the Grizzlies went to Madison Square Garden, took care of the Knicks. And then Saturday, I just dominated this game from start to finish in, uh, in Orlando. There was a time early in the first when Orlando looked like they were going to play with them a little bit. But it, it was this was all Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's what's one thing that's different about this iteration of this team outside of early in the season where we know they had their struggles defensively, but they definitely turned the corner there uh, shortly after that. Kind of ironically, when John Morant was down is when they kind of turned the corner and they've kind of ex- expounded on that. But this team is taking care of business against teams that they're supposed to take care of business against. They did have the loss against Philadelphia, which what was the tough one. I mean, and I don't think it's – they didn't play their best game in that game, but they still had a chance to win. Man, Philadelphia just – kind of played out in mind. Tyrese Maxey just looked like a superstar player in this, in that game, and he's going to be a big-time player in this league. But for the most part, this team, when they played against teams where they're heavily favored against, they've taken care of business. And we saw two wins like that here. Uh, went up to Madison Square Garden and, and, and handled the Knicks and kind of really imposed their will against the Orlando Magic and won the game going away like they were supposed to. And I said during, during – I think it was during the, the Knicks game that it, it, it's so fun to watch these games on the road because usually in the past we've seen the Grizzlies, the teams, the opposing teams that come in and, and on the road be the teams that, that are the show, the teams that people want to see, that athleticism, you had high-flying dunks, you're knocking down threes. Grizzlies have never been that team. And, and now this team is like a, a rock band on tour when they go on the road. I mean, you have Grizzlies jerseys everywhere. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like a home game um, in, in, in times of both of those games. And, New York and Madison Square Garden and as well as in Orlando, uh, when, when you see some of these plays. I mean, the, the John Morant to Zaire Williams to De'Anthony Melton Lobb, man, one of the best, best plays I've ever seen. Man, that place went nuts. It was FedEx, FedEx, sounds like, sound like we were at FedEx Forum uh, <laughs> during that game. And that's just not something that we've seen with this team. So it's fun, man, to finally get people around the nation find, finding out what we got going on down here, man. It's just, it's just fun to see the evolution of this team. They smile. They're having fun. Uh, even when even when they, they they're not playing well, I mean, you can just see the chemistry uh, is off the charts with the team. It's just been amazing to watch, man, and it, it's fun right now. Yeah, I was watching Jaron's interview with NBA TV. Did you get a chance to take a look at that at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It, it was he he was talking about that. He was discussing just that. He's like, you know, we're getting MVP chance on the road, and he's. You just don't expect that. He's like, I haven't seen that since I've been here. And, you know, he was talking about John and how incredible he is. And you could almost see it 
when Jaron was trying to talk about it, you run out of the out of good things to say about Ja. Not because there's, you know, obviously there's a ton of good things to say about him, but I, there's nothing that hasn't been said at this point. The, the level that he's playing at this year, you know, he, he broke his his 30-point streak and then, you know, bounced right back with another one. But it, it's, I, it's mind-blowing to me that we're getting to see a player play at this level in Memphis, and, and then his energy – you see Ja smiling. You see him hitting the, the the gritty and all this stuff. Like the energy is just bleeding out into these other players. The confidence is bleeding into these other players, and this entire like the whole team's rising as he rises. And man, it's I, I am glad to have been on board for a while before this happened. And now you know because of the position that we're in, I man, we're we're getting to cover and one of getting to cover one of the best teams in the league right now. And it's probably going to be one of the best teams in the league for a good stretch here. Yeah. I think this is just the beginning of, uh, of this teams and their maturation process. I mean, it's scary because I don't even think they've scratched the ceiling. And you know, at some point they're going to add even more talent to this team. And I think they're already contenders right now. I think a lot of people have been skeptical to kind of say that, but I mean, we're, I'm up to 50, I'm up 60 games in now. I mean, it, it's getting to the point where this is not a fluke at all. And you kind of look at the schedule down the stretch, and I think anything – you and I know you you hate to say this because of what the expectations were going through the season, but looking now, I think anything under 50 wins would definitely be a disappointment uh, for, for where they are right now because, I mean, this team could have 42, 43 wins at the All-Star break, and that was kind of what we were expecting for the season uh, coming in. I mean, and it's just – so, like you said, so fun to, to watch and cover. They're, they're playing with so much confidence right now. Jaron, specifically, you can just see the confidence that he's playing with. And he's starting to take it to the basket, taking guys off the dribble. And that's kind of what we asked for. Uh, early in the season, there were times where he offensively, he was just kind of standing around hunting threes, and he's not doing it anymore. When he takes the threes, he steps up and takes some confidence. But he's also, when he has these smaller guys on him, he's taking advantage of that now. And that's something that, he didn't always do early in the season. I don't know. And that's not necessarily all on him. I think some of that had to do with coaching and not taking advantage of those mismatches, but they've done a lot better with that as the season goes on. Because now when he has a guy on him, I, I said barbecue chicken, like Shaq says, but he's taking these guys to the hole, thinking about the dribble and punishing guys. And that's dangerous. That's the unicorn stuff we're talking about. Then you add the three-point shooting to it. And we know what he's all, all world on defense and, and how much he's meant to this team defensively this year. And, and that's that's been big time for this team to to see him and job play well together at the same time, which is outside of that that you're in the bubble. We really hadn't seen that, and we've seen that a lot lately, and that's really good for the future prospects of this team. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see national media guys giving him, and by him I mean Jaron, the attention that he deserves. And the player's name just slipped my mind. He was on the NBA. He was part of the NBA TV interview, former NBA player. And I, I'm trying to think, was it wasn't Greg Anthony? Um, no, it wasn't Greg. I'm trying to think who. God, I know. I, yeah, I thought it. I can't remember who yeah, it was. I know his name, man, but it's just, it's just slipped my mind right now. We'll, we'll get later in the show, and it'll pop up, and I'll be like, oh. But you know, he he, he said during that interview, he's like, you've got my vote right now for defensive player of the year because of the level that you're playing at. One of the questions that we had early in the season, um, by the way, you know, we're 
what is it, 55 games into the season. That's almost three quarters of the way through the season. This, this is not a joke. This is not a fluke. This is this team, you know, elevating itself from within. You're seeing growth internally, and it's it's showing up on the scoreboard for this team. But we, we talked about we haven't had a large sample size where Ja and Jaron have both played well together. And over this last stretch here, I, I think it's safe to say that we have watched both these guys excel while they're on the floor at the same time. They're learning how to play off of each other, and they're learning, you know, Jaron getting to the right spots when Ja is driving, so he's there to, you know, step into those threes. Or, you know, Ja getting to the right spot to where Jaron has that mismatch. He can take his guy off of the dribble. And everything is just kind of melding together, leading to them being 19 games over 500 right now, three quarters of the way through the season. And it's great. We've talked about it on here before, but there's not a team that I fear for them in the playoffs. And that's not to say that I think that they're going to win the whole thing this year. I don't have that much confidence, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened because of the way that this team, even not just Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., the other guys on the squad, the way that their game has elevated throughout this season. You go back to the end, it was Shannon Fry, wasn't it? I think that's who it yeah, was. Yeah, Channing, yeah, yeah, it was Shannon yep. Fry. I was, I was just, I was thinking, racking my brain. I was like, who was that? And, and it, it was Shannon Fry. And the reason why I, I remembered that is because I remember earlier in the season, he kind of made, took some shots at Memphis. And, and Memphis fans, but Grizzly fans were kind of, Upset about that. I thought about that during the interview. I was like, oh, look at him flipping the script. <laughs> but, yeah, he, yeah. he said that uh, Jared was his defensive player of the year. Um, and it's good to see him getting those those accolades. Uh, NBA uh, injury replacement, NBA all-star injury replacements were announced earlier today. And, unfortunately, Jared was not the pick. It was Deontay Murray, which I, I can't be upset of because I think he definitely deserved to be an all-star with his play this year in the East. It was a mellow ball. Uh, I was kind of thinking it, it would be a big because the two wild-card picks in the West were both guards, so I thought that it would kind of stick with bigs. I said the only way I felt like – I felt like it was Anthony Davis, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I thought A.D. and, and, and Jaron were kind of the two guys that it should be if they went big. But they, they I said if they go any other direction, it would probably be Deontay Murray, and that's the direction they went, which I can't be mad at that, man, because I'm a big fan of his. Probably one of my favorite players, non-Grizzly players in the league, so he's definitely, definitely deserving. But their West team is pretty, pretty guard-heavy. Uh, but uh, again, man, but John Morant, night in and night out, it's getting to the point to where you expect greatness uh, every night. It, it is, we've, we've said so much about this, there's really not anything else to say uh, about what he's doing. You, you go back to the next game, and we all kind of thought he'd have a huge game. I um, mean, he actually did not have a, a big game, and I think what he had 23 points, which that's crazy to say someone didn't have a big game and have 23 points, but we're expecting like 30 every night from him. It's got to that point. Uh, Mitchell Robinson was uh, a, a kind of a problem to clock in the lane up for, in that game for John Moran. He kind of struggled uh, and to defer to other guys, but he could, couldn't get in the lane the way he has been able to in some other games. And, man, Mitchell Robinson is, is good, man. How how good would he look in, in the middle on his Grizzlies team? It would be ridiculous, man. Like, you, I would be concerned with rebounding a little bit, but I think that honestly, you know, we had talked about Miles Turner a little bit before, and I would say that that Mitchell Robinson, as far as rim protection and shot blocking, 
it, it is right there. You know, when it, whenever yeah, it comes sure. down to it, he, he's, he's on that same level. And it, it would be nuts. There would be, I guarantee you, the the Grizzlies would have the lowest percentage at the rim in the league. Now, I, I don't think that there'd be anybody in the league that would be able to compete with them as far as, like, their, their defensive rating at the rim. Because you, you have Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, and then you add a guy, another, you know, insane shot blocker like Mitchell Robinson to this team. It, it would be just nuts, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to expect whenever it comes to that. Just, you know, a block party every single night, honestly. Yeah, I know we're getting off subject a little bit, but while we're talking about the Knicks, man, that, that situation is a mess, man. I, I just wish James Dolan w- would sell that team. How have you been this bad this long in that market? Like, you're talking big capital, New York City, and that's a market where players are going to go. It's just like, it's weird to see both the Knicks and the Lakers right now struggling, but the Lakers have had some success since the Knicks has been forever uh, since they really had any significant level of success. And you look at the situation, man, they made a move to get Cam Reddish. And we were both, me and you talked about that on, on that day, like how much of a steal that was. And Tibbs is not even playing the guy. Like, and, and a report came out today that he has like, and I don't know how to shoot this, it's just a report that, that rumors, that he kind of has some animosity, I guess, toward the, the front office because he wasn't really pro going out and bringing in Cam Reddish, which is crazy to me. Uh, but you, you're a losing team. And, and a guy, you bring in a guy like Cam Reddish, you get him in a steal, and you're not even playing him. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I, I don't get it. And I don't understand. I, I think Tibbs is a bad fit. I thought when he hired him, it, it was a bad fit for a young up-and-coming team. He's not the coach for a, a team that needs developing and, that, that's not ready made to win. That's just, he's just not the right guy. And this report coming out about this Cam Reddish stuff is just crazy to me, man. But I just don't understand how in that market that you can't, can't get this right. But a lot of it definitely has to do with owner James Dolan, man. And I think as long as he owns that organization, it's, it's going to be hard for, for them to win and, and, and compete. But the Cam Reddish thing just kind of irked me today when, when I heard the report come out that he's kind of not playing them because he basically said that he wasn't, for the move, he wouldn't have went out and got him, so he's not going to play the guy. What are your thoughts on that? So, the I knew that it was bad there. You know, you you hear all this stuff about Dolan and kind of the the dumpster fire that is the New York Knicks. You hear all this stuff. The moment that it really clicked for me is when Kevin Durant chose the Nets. He could have went anywhere. The the Knicks had the money. They they could have signed him. He could have easily went to the Knicks, but but he chose the Nets. And a lot of that is because of the way this organization is ran. You you play, you talk to players, you hear players talk about Madison Square Garden. It's the Mecca. That's where you want to go to play. Players, when they go to Madison Square Garden, they're bringing their A game. They want to play at their best there. But nobody wants to go and play for this franchise. Yeah. And it's it's bad for the league, man. It is. You know, like they, they lost in seven games to the Hawks last season. Um, but are they re- were they really supposed to be there? And, and I think the answer to that question, if you look at where they're at this year, was no. I, I don't think that they were supposed to be there. And, and the Hawks have had a rough go 
of it this season, but the Hawks are a superior team. And it's – I agree with you whenever it comes down to Tibbs. When I, when I heard they were hiring him, I'm like, you know, he, he's a guy that has a history of winning games, but I don't know that he is the right one. I, I think as long as Dolan is connected to that team, we will see that team be mediocre at best. Yeah, because, I mean, you hear year in and year out when, when going into free agency, y'all, well, they're about, about, about to get KD or – they're going to get Zion in, in, in a couple of years, all this. And it, it never happened. They, every big free agent, every summer, they always talk about them going to the Knicks, and it never happens. And I think it, it's because of James Dolan. Definitely because that organization, I mean, you talk about it, Madison Square Garden, even though the Knicks haven't been good in a long time, it, it's a special place. Like, guys want to play their best games there. Like you said, it's the lights, under the lights of Madison Square Garden. There's always going to be a, a basketball mecca. And the fact that they can't put a winning product on the floor in that market, it just, it's crazy. And like you said, it is bad for the league. And I mean, it's been a long time since that team, they made the playoffs last year. But like you said, I mean, now it seems like a one-off because uh, they're not in that position this year. And it's just tough to see. And I just hate it. And the stuff that coming out about Tiff not playing Reddish because he just, Kind of upset about them making the deal. Yeah, that just kind of hurt me. That kind of fucked up. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's wild to me. Like, <laughs> what, why would you not want a young player with that skill set? His size, yeah, his skill set, switchable defender. I, they got him. It, it reminds me of the. Um, oh my goodness, dude! I'm having a terrible day. My my brain is not working. I was gonna make a movie reference. Uh, Jackie Moon. What was the name of that stinking movie? Um, um, Will Ferrell and Wesley. Yeah, um, not Wesley. God, Flint Tropics. Like, what's the name? What's the name of the movie, though? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's God, it's crazy. I, I'm rubbing off on you, but you know, when they traded a washing machine for that dude, like the, the Knicks gave up nothing. They gave up a uh, the Charlotte's pick, which is going to not be a lottery pick. It's probably going to be like a, a mid to late round first round pick for next year semi-pro and, just popped yeah, up. Semi-pro, yeah, yep. <laughs> and then so they gave up the the first round pick of the hornets which is going to be a, a mid first round you can get talent there I, I get it i understand but it's not a premium pick and then kevin knox who hasn't really sniffed significant playing time since he's been in the league, you saw a little bit like early when he first came up, but since Tibbs has been there, he's been buried. And there's a reason for that. He just doesn't have it. And Cam Reddish earlier this season, when the Hawks were, you know, just ravaged with COVID, Cam Reddish is the number one option on that team was hooping. I do not understand. Like, if this is an ego thing for him, they need to just fire him right now and get it over yeah. with. Yeah. Like, swallow your pride and put the talent on the floor. You you look at look at this this box score. Uh, Cam Radish was a DNP coach's decision in this game. Ta- Taj Gibson got time, which not even – okay, I won't mention Taj because that's not even enough playing time to say that he played – but but you look through the guys that Tibbs played, and it just you can't convince me that these guys should be playing over Cam Reddish. No, it, no way. It's craziness to me, man, and that that is something. 
I guess it all, it, it starts at, at the top. Like, you know, the, the owner is a train wreck. And so the rest of the, the franchise is kind of falling suit. Kimball Walker has been awful this year. Terrible. He, he has completely fallen off of the map. He played 17 minutes in this game. Alec Burke did not play well in this game. He got 13 minutes. I'm, I'm fine with him playing quickly. Quickly as a young guy, you're trying to develop him. I understand that. But why could you not get Reddish in this game? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I was reading a stat before we came on here, and I didn't even know that we were going to talk about this, but I'm glad I read this now. Cam Reddish has had – I don't remember, but he's had a number of DMP coaches' decision. He's averaging six minutes a game since he got to New York. And it's just it makes no sense. It, it's crazy to me. And again, you know, we're we're kind of we're getting off topic, but it, it's okay. We can do it. We hadn't been here in a while, so we're we're talking it. We we for what they gave up for him. I, I'm mad that the Grizzlies didn't go get Cam. Yeah, Reddish, that's, that's what really upsets me about it. Yeah, like, that's what really upsets. You're you're clearing out. Atlanta's clearing out. Grizzlies have three first round picks. We could have. Oh, you want Jarrett Culver and the um jazz first round pick because that's going to be almost equivalent to that hornets pick for cam reddish and then that that gives you another six seven wing switchable defender big wing that can go out and get his own bucket it's i don't know it's it's maddening man like quinn quinn grimes is another he's a young player he deserves to be out there but what are they doing? Are they are they a playoff team? Are they trying to win? And to me, if they are, I, I think that Cam Reddish, to me, I'm playing Cam Reddish over Quentin Grimes. I'm playing Cam Reddish over Alec Burks. I am. You know, it, it's Evan Fournier blew up against the, the Grizzlies, but, you know, he, he played 32 minutes. If he's not hot, could you not carve some of that time out for Cam Reddish? Yeah, because I mean, he, yeah, I was going to say, this, he, he had been great this year. Uh, yeah. And for you, he's been a bit of a disappointment. He was a thought to be a big acquisition when they got him, but he's extremely streaky. Like, he's hit or miss. Like, he'll have these games where he go off, but like, against the Grizzlies, then he'll have games where he doesn't even score 10 points. It's just kind of been him this year. There's no way that there, there's not room for Cam Reddits on that roster. I mean, they're not going to be a playoff team anyway. I mean, and he's still a young guy. And, and now, honestly, one of your best pieces. And we're going to be averaging six minutes of get, per game and getting DNP CDs uh, does, doesn't make any sense. Um, like you said, Atlanta's a better team, and he was getting some, some minutes there. It doesn't make any sense. And you got a lot of young guys on, on, on that Knicks roster, but there's definitely definitely should be minutes for, for Cam Reddish on their team. And like you said, what, what upsets me about it is how they got him in a steal, and, you, and you're thinking you're a Grizzly fan. I'm sure a lot of – or covered the Grizzlies and a lot of other fans of other teams looking at that like, man, I wish my team could have got him. And I think he'd be getting some run if he was on these other teams. So it just seems that it's, it's kind of a waste, man. I, like I said, man, free my guy, Cam Reddish. But I know we're jumping all over the place. But thinking of speaking of things that upset me, man, I got a feeling that this is going to be a pretty active trade deadline on Thursday, man. It's already got, gotten off to a bang, man. We already got two pretty significant trades uh, that have happened over, over the last couple of days. And this first one is one, when I talk about being upset, uh, the Clippers send Eric Bledsoe, uh, Grizz legend Justice Winslow and Keon Johnson, uh, who is a guy I'm surprised they hold on, hold on, hold on, Grizz legend in there, man. <laughs> Grizz legend Justice, <laughs> Grizz legend Justice Winslow, uh, Keon Johnson, in a, in a 2025 second round pick to the Blazers for for Norm Powell and Robert Covington. And 
Highway bro. Highway Rarakudo. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who the GM is for the Clippers right now, but kudos to him, man. That was so. That let's I, I, let's talk about it. We're already we can call this the uh, the trade deadline Grizzlies uh, show right here because yeah. we're just kind of jumping all over. Dude, the best player that Portland got back in that deal, in my mind, is Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson, yeah, and, and, like that's the best piece that's that they the- got. And I was having this conversation with with my buddy, Will, and Rhett. We were kind of talking back and forth about it. And Keon Johnson, do you remember where he got drafted? He was late first round, wasn't he? Or was he a second rounder? Uh, He he went in the first round. I think he slipped. He was supposed to be a lottery pick. Like, going into the draft, people thought he was going to be a lottery pick. I think he slipped out of the lottery, but I think he still went in the first round, though, if I'm not mistaken. So... You, you got Keon Johnson that he ended up falling. There, there were talks about him being the lottery pick. I'm trying to pull it up real quick so we can. He went 21st. He goes yeah. 21st. I remember him slipping. He got tra- traded to the Clippers. So Will was making a point. He's like, if they make this trade, if they trade Norm Powell and Robert Covington for the number eight overall pick, are you having this conversation? I'm like, yeah. I, I honestly think so. Robert Covington is not a superstar player, but he is a phenomenal role player. He's a 3 and D low usage guy that's going to do his job and he's going to do it very well. And hey, you can, like his size too. He, he that's the thing, from, one thing with him. From two, two to two five, to, two essentially. To like yeah. he, he, he's played some small ball five. So, you know, he's not typically going to be playing the five, but he's a switchable defender. He plays the passing lanes very well. He shoots the three at a high rate. Like, he, he is a guy that you want on your team if you're building a team and you have to have role players. He's an elite role player. So, I, I think the, the 21st overall pick for Robert Covington, some can argue yes, no, maybe he's not worth the first-round pick. But I, I would say a late first-round pick is, is good enough for Covington. But then you have Norm Powell – who after he's after 20 points a game this year, man. Like, yeah, like and, and you got so Justice Winslow cannot stay healthy. Love Justice. I hope, you know, I, I don't think he's been injured a whole lot this year, but he's not played a whole lot. I, I would love to see him turn it around, but it, it's it's almost a pipe dream at this point. Like, are we gonna see him turn it around? There's nothing that he's shown us in the last three years that makes me think that you're gonna see. Uh, a Miami version, a healthy Miami version of Justice Winslow. I don't know that it's in there anymore. And so you get that, you get Winslow, you get Eric Bledsoe, who's bounced around. He's been off and on decent this year. But you go back to Bledsoe in New Orleans, who was not interested in playing. And this Portland team's going through a rebuild. Bledsoe has a history. He demanded out when he was in Phoenix. It was a mess. He he demanded yeah. a trade. They traded him out of Phoenix, got him out of there. Bloodsoe's not a guy that's going to play on a bad team. He he I, I'm not going to go as far to call him a locker room cancer, but I think that he could definitely cause some turmoil if he's in a bad situation. And so Winslow and Bloodsoe are not going to be a part of that rebuild. You know that. You that that's not gonna that's not gonna happen. So you you essentially trade Norm Powell and Robert Covington for the 21st overall pick. 
And that is asinine, dude. Like that, that's, I, I don't get it. it it's, th- there's nothing. This was not enough return. If Keon Johnson ends up turning into a great player, you got Keon Johnson and Anthony Simons in the backcourt for, you know, 15 years in Portland. Maybe in, in, in five or 10 years, I'm looking like a fool talking about this. But I just don't believe that there was not a better deal out there for them to go get. Yeah, and I've called for this for a long time. I think it's probably a couple couple of years overdue uh, for, for Portland to go into a rebuild. When they went out and got Norm Powell, I was like, man, I don't know if that's what they should be doing. And now, in hindsight, I, I was correct. And, and you, it makes it even worse. Man. It, it makes it even worse when you look at it. It makes it, it, it makes it even worse. This deal, when you look at how they got Robert Covington, Norm Powell, what they gave up and gave up Gary Trent, who's been phenomenal uh, in, in Toronto. I mean, they gave up a lot to, to get these guys. And then they signed Norm Powell to extension on, on top of that. And, and you talk about Bledsoe and, and Justin Winslow. There are already rumors that they're going to move Bledsoe on probably before Thursday or on Thursday uh, in, in another deal. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see C.J. McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, and, and maybe Larry Nance get out of there uh, by, by Thursday. I think they're going into complete napalm mode. And you, you kind of wonder what, what Damian Lillard is thinking about this. I mean, he, we've talked about this a lot here on the on the show. And he seemingly wanted to stay there no matter what. Now, could, could that opinion now be changed with him seeing how they're tearing this thing down? Or is, is he going to get an extension and, and stay there long term and be there part of the rebuild? I don't know. I mean, he's always seeming to – be willing to stay there, but now that they're completely tearing it down, he might have a, a different opinion, and he might decide that it's time to move on as well. But you, when you see a lot of these deals, man, and, and I DM you and, and, and told you when, when this deal went down, you you going to wonder yourself, is this really the best deal that they could have got? I mean, Norm Powell's a guy averaging over 19 points per game this year, man, just really good role player. I mean, even even a little bit north of that, uh, a plus role player, definitely. And, and Robert Covington, you talked about what he brings size, switchable, defensively, can knock down a three-pointer. And you look at this Clippers team now, and and uh, Tyrone Lewis kind of said that he doesn't expect he'd be surprised if Kawhi returns at a point this season, but you got to get Paul George back. And you think about what they already have on the wing with Paul George. Now you have Norm Powell, you have Covington, and even thinking about adding Kawhi to that, man, that's a, a heck of a rotation on, on the wings. And even without Kawhi, I think with a healthy Paul George, Portland just made the Clippers team a lot better uh, going on. That kind of kind of pisses me off. I'm, I'm not going to lie. As, uh, being someone who covers the Grizzlies and you're thinking, oh, well, the Clippers probably done their playing team or, or, or lower in, in that range right in there. That's not going to be a team you're going to have to worry about, even with Paul George coming back, especially with no Kawhi. But now I think that kind of changed. If Paul George gets healthy, that team's going to be a tough out uh, the late, late in the season. Because, I mean, that's picking up two really, really, really good players, and they didn't really give up anything in, in, in that deal, man. I just, I don't know. I, I just think as, as a Portland fan, I, I'd be upset right now for what they gave up to get those guys. I just can't believe that's the best return they could have gotten for, for those two guys. Yeah, it, it was poor asset management. Definitely. I didn't even get a first round pick, man. Like, seriously? I want to Go go back to something. You, you're talking about Dame sticking around and being a part of this rebuild. Dame is 31 years old. The average NBA player retires somewhere between the age of 36 and 39 years old. 
toward the end of a player's career, you see their production fall, and they're not going to be, you know, like Dame Lillard is not going to be a 30 points per game guy his entire career. He's not going to retire a 30 points per game guy. So you got, let's say that he can play till 36 at a high level, what he's playing at right now. Do you have time to rebuild around him? Do you have, or do you have enough faith in him? And my, if he sticks around that long, if he stays, they they go through and they completely gut this team, and you're like, okay, we're gonna invest in the youth, and they've got Greg Brown and Anthony Simons and and CJ Ellaby and now Keon Johnson. They go through all of this rebuild, and you've got a 36, 37 year old Dame Lillard. At that point, what type of return are they going to get out of Dame Lillard if they don't move him right now? He's injured. So wherever they're looking to move him, it's it's not going to be a place where there's a chance that Dame comes back this year, but I don't know what type of impact he's going to have if he does come back this year. I, I If business-wise, I get – you know, I've talked before about, like, I think it's great that Dame wants to be there – but basketball, the NBA is a business. And I, I just don't see business-wise how it's smart for the Blazers for him to be the only piece that they hold on to. Yeah, I, I think it's best, it's, especially now. I've, I've kind of always thought that even before they, they kind of start this teardown, when we saw this move a couple of days ago, that I, I think it was best for both parties to kind of move on because I think the, the current iteration of their team is kind of run this, run its course. They weren't going to win anything significant with that roster and you look at that Dame, he's 31 now why hold on to that when he's your biggest asset and if you're going to start a rebuild you can get the most for him and I, I just think it's better for him getting older to be in a better situation to where he can win as well I just think it makes a lot of sense and it makes even more sense now I don't think he's moved before the deadline but I, I think it, it, it's coming to a head I think now and I, I would love to hear his comments on, on kind of this move was he did he expect this was did he expect that, that they were going to hold on to guys and kind of try to make one last push here, get in the play-in, try to get in the playoffs? I, I don't know what his thoughts were, but it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But, again, man, I think they can't go into – it just doesn't really make any sense for, for either party, either side, to go into a rebuild with him still on his roster because you've got to sign him to an extension, and it's going to be a huge extension, and you just don't need to have that kind of money tied up if, if you just have him and you're not winning basketball games. just doesn't make a lot of sense. So. I think we're gonna see. Go, go ahead. He's gonna sell tickets, right? You know, like yeah, Portland I mean, he'll fans are gonna come out and they're yeah. gonna see him because of what he's done for the franchise, what he's done for the city. But it, it's, I I had a hard time. So th- this is not really basketball related, but the Albert Pujols situation with the St. Louis Cardinals when he went and signed with Anaheim, and I won't run down this very far because I want to stick to basketball, but. I, I was done. Like, I grew up a Cardinal fan, and I said when he went into that season, 2011 season, they didn't get a deal done before the season started. And he said, he's like, if we don't get a deal done, I'm not negotiating during the year. I'm focusing on playing baseball. And I said right then, I'm like, if they don't sign him, if he's not a lifetime Cardinal, I'm done. I'm not rooting for this franchise anymore. Because if they let a generational player walk away for nothing, if they get nothing in return from a generational player, 
they don't give a flip about their fan base. And business-wise, I realize that offering him a 10-year, $250 million deal is not a good business decision. But there are a lot of factors in that whole situation. So I think that at some point, Portland has to make a business decision and is signing Dame Lillard to another $200 million contract. Is that a good business decision? Is he going to generate that revenue for you? If you sign him to that size of a deal and you decide, okay, we're going to move him. Where are you going to find a place for him to go? John wall, look at his contract, nowhere for him to go. Russ Westbrook, they're hard time finding a trade partner for him because of the size of his contract. These are guys that are not at the end of their career, but they're toward the back end of their career. And if you pay them that much money, I mean, you're pretty much just living with it at that point. And that's not a great business decision. So I, it's, this is going to be probably to me, this is going to be the one situation throughout the trade deadline and the off season that I'm going to be paying the most attention to is how Dame and Portland interact and what happens here. Yeah. And we're going to tie this back to the Grizzlies definitely, but I do want to talk about the other trade that was moved quickly. Uh, Pacers sent Karis Levert, a 22-second round pick uh, to Cleveland for Ricky Rubio's expiring contract who he's out for the season. Um, and a lot of protected 2022 first-round pick and two, two second-round picks. Um, Cleveland, man, going all in. Uh, a young team. Uh, I really enjoyed what, what they're doing up there in Cleveland with uh, former Grizz interim coach J.B. Bickerstaff. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job up there, and I think they're going to be one of the teams with the Grizzlies that, as we look into the future that, that are going to be trouble. They're going to be a problem for the league. Um, I, I think they're going to be a big factor in the East in the coming years, just like Chris is going to be in the West. And I think those are two teams that we could see in the NBA Finals one day, but they're going in, man, getting getting another wing score. Uh, what, what did you think about Cleveland going out and getting the vert? I, I love it, man. Love it for them. I hope that he stays healthy because of the way that this team has played. Right now, uh, you know, Laurie Markinen has been hurt for, for a pretty good stretch here. But, you know, um, Oh, my goodness. Dude, my brain is not working today. The guard there, Darius Garland. Darius Garland. He, he's having a phenomenal year. Jared Allen's playing great. Evan Mobley is, you know, in my opinion, he's exceeding expectations. He's playing better than I thought that he was going to. Some people may have had a yeah, Definitely a year one, for him. sure. But, you know, he, he's having a huge impact year one. And, and then what this, to me, what this allows them to do, because Sexton is out for the year, it allows them to let Sexton get healthy and see, okay, is LeVert going to plug in here and is he going to play well? And if yeah. he does, does that make Sexton expendable to where he's a good young guard and he's going to bring value? They can go out in the offseason if this works out with LeVert and they could go out and move him for another piece that they need to help make this team better. And, and, and kudos to bigger staff. He's doing a phenomenal job down there. We, we've talked about him, and he was one of your favorites for Coach of the Year outside of Taylor Jenkins, and, and he definitely deserves to be in that conversation. But I, I love this move. They The expiring contract, you know, that's – Rubio was not coming back this year, so that didn't cost them anything. The, uh, the pick for next season is lottery protected, which at this point with where the, the Cavs are standing – like they would have to just have a complete nosedive at the end of the season for that pick to be lottery. So, you know, it's probably going to be a mid to late first round pick. 
they're giving up to two seconds for a wing scorer. It's like th- those come at a premium. Like they're not that there's a lot of guys out there that do that job. There's not a lot of guys out there that do that job well. And there's not a lot of guys that are out there that are available to go and get. So I'm, I'm glad because, you know, there were talks about, I remember seeing a report and it said Cleveland is not worried uh, about other guys. They are laser focused in on getting Karis LeVert. They did. They went all in on it and they were able to get it done. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what this team does in the playoffs. A lot, lot of young pieces and, uh, you know, a little bit of a uh, reunited Jared Allen and, and Karis LeVert there. So um, that, that's going to be, be fun to watch. Yeah, and, and as you said, I think it's big for them to be able to make that move without giving up Sexton because, as you said, I think that gives them options and, and more evaluation time to see what they really want to do. Um, I think it puts them in a, in a really good spot uh, because they're not in a, in a rush to have to do anything with Sexton. There were a lot of reports that they were going to have to move Sexton in a deal here to deadline to get anything significant done, and they were able to do that without moving Sexton. So kudos to that, that front office and, and Bickerstaff and what they're doing there. And if he's healthy, I think he's a – a, a fantastic fit there. I think he's a fantastic fit on anything, but talk about a bucket, man. Guy can get hot and, and is a microwave score. Um, I, I think any team can use a, a guy like that. I think the only thing with him is health, and, and he's been pretty healthy lately, man, so hopefully he can can keep it up. But, man, switching to, to trade deadline and going back to, to the Grizzly side of things, um, and, and, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago here on the show. Like, I, I get how great the, the chemistry with this Grizzly team is phenomenal. There's no doubt about that, man. These guys love playing with each other. They, I mean, it's it, and people talk about it all the time. It's team culture, but with and it's cliche kind of with, with some teams. You don't see all the time what happens here with the Grizzlies, so I understand that it's special. But I think a narrative's gotten out there about the trade deadline. I put out a poll uh, earlier, I think earlier yesterday, uh, but I think it's should the Grizzlies will the Grizzlies make a move at the deadline? And, and I said it could be from the smallest of moves to the biggest of moves. I think there, I think it's maybe 52, 46, no right now. I think the last time I checked. And I think this narrative of they can't make a move at the deadline because it's going to disrupt the chemistry, it's gone a little bit too far. Like, I understand it in a sense, but I think you have to ask yourself the question of, is this the best team in the NBA? And I think even for the, for the most homer, person i think they would say you, if you tell the truth you would say no it's not the best team in the nba so if you don't think this team is going to win a championship this year which i understand people would say oh well they don't have to win a championship this year they're young and, and blah 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 and i get that but i think if if you're not a team that feels like with your current roster that you can make it win a championship I, I think you have to be in the business of looking to see if there's anything and if there's an opportunity for you to improve you have to take that opportunity and i, I think a lot of people even I put out trades, talking about maybe Culver and two seconds for Justin Holiday, something like that, something around the fringes. And they're like, no, man, we can't bring anybody in. It's going to mess up the chemistry. We don't need to do anything. Like, I think people have gone a little bit too far with that. Like, if you can find a move, this this front office, like I said, is proactive. They're not just going to sit on assets. They're overseas to the point now where I don't think, unless something they can't pass up comes along, I don't think they're going to move Kyle Anderson. I don't think they're going to move Tyus Jones. But you have Jared Culver there with six-plus million dollars by contracts. You have all these second-round picks. If you can get something for Culver in a second-round pick, in a couple second-round picks, like a Justin Holiday or even Tory Craig or Lamb from Indiana who 
Indiana seems to be open for business. I was talking with Parker Fleming from GBB about this the other day. Uh, any of those guys would be great for this team as, as depth pieces, especially when you look at the fact that Kyle Anderson could, could be gone at the end of the season. You're going to lose Culver, whether you move him now or as a free agency likely. So you bring in a guy that could be a depth piece, especially a guy that can, can shoot the basketball. And I don't think bringing in any of those guys going to disrupt this chemistry. And if they went out and make a big move, it's probably going to be something that significantly makes you better. I mean, these are grown men. Like, I get the chemistry and how the vibes and how much these guys love playing with each other. But at some point, the faces on this team are going to change. Like, these guys are not going to stay here forever. Like, I would be super surprised if Tyus Jones is back. I just think his market is going to be too robust for what they want to pay him. And I wouldn't blame him for going to get that bag. He could go somewhere where he could possibly start. And I think that's likely what happens. I would love him back in a Grizzlies uniform. I just don't think it's going to happen. But I just think at some point this team is going to change. You can't keep all of these guys <laughs> together forever. And if there's something at the deadline on Thursday where climate looks at like, man, this makes this, we can make this team better. We can get out some of these assets. Like a, I just talked about, like a Culver two seconds for Justin Holiday. That's a fantastic move for this team. It gives you a guy that can come in and knock down shots. He's averaging about 11, 11 points per game. He, he could be insurance in case you lose Kyle Anderson next year another wing on this team, you go out and make that move. I don't, I don't think bringing in a guy, especially when you talk about a smaller move like that, I don't think that's going to disrupt what's going on with this team. And I think a lot of people are just out on any kind of trade, no matter how small it is, they don't want to do anything. And I just think they've gone a little bit too far with that. What, what are you, what kind of your thoughts on, on that? So, so let's talk about the chemistry first, right? I think that we can move forward agreeing that the chemistry is fantastic. Look at the amount of, like, where's that chemistry chemistry coming from? And in those trades, are any of those chemistry pieces going to get moved? The answer to that question is no. Unless it's a huge trade and it's somebody that climbing them are all in on, the guys that are developing this chemistry in this locker room, it, it's most of this is branching from – Jaron Jackson, John Morant, Desmond Bain, guys that are are not going to be moved off of this roster. So if you move a guy like uh, DeAnthony Melton or yeah, and I was going to say, Anderson, bar, barring, Jones, I was sorry, let me cut you off. I was going to say, barring, barring something huge, I think Melton is probably the most likely uh, of the, the core group of guys you call rotation pieces to be moved I, I would even be surprised if Kyle and Ty has moved at this point I think they're still here at the deadline I could see something going down with Melton in a medium type deal like you we've talked about guys like Harrison Barnes kind of that level deal I think you could see maybe Melton moved out but if they do something small like I think and I think that's more likely I, I think I just don't see them sitting on Culver like I think they're going to sit on Tyus and Kyle and, and that's even unlike them but I think they've overachieved so much. I think they're at the point where they're going to keep those guys around. But I just can't see them sitting on on Culver, especially when you also have all these seconds you can move out. There's there's going to be something that you can get done with that that I think that helps your team. And I just can't see this front office just not doing that at all. Like, I think they're going to explore that. And I think there's going to be something they can do with Culver in, in a couple second-round picks. And if it gets a little bit bigger than that, Melton, I think, is a guy. And I think Xavier Tillman is another guy I'd watch because of, of Brandon Clark's kind of resurgence and what he's done, I think he's kind of a guy that's kind of out of the mix, and he could be another guy that's used in salary filler 
But but I, I I've always thought that they did something. I'd be shocked if they don't do anything on Thursday. Yeah, th- there's a number of teams who have kind of made it known, or the media is saying that they have players that are available. The Grizzlies have plenty of assets. They have plenty of pieces that they can move to go out and add a guy. Say this front office, Marvin Bagley in in, in Sacramento. Yeah. That has been a terrible situation. He's not been happy there. There's been turmoil between his family and like the, the franchise and just a bunch of trash going on out there. And maybe that's a piece that the Grizzlies like. And that's, you know, like, that's you know, he's a, he's a 22 year old, six foot 11 power forward. And yeah, like he's coming up on contract, but what has he done? Like he's not, he's probably not going to get a huge contract from anybody in the NBA because he's not done anything to prove that he's worth it. He, he's not been on the floor enough. And so you, you have the injury risk there, but th- there are plenty of pieces that they could add to this team to make it better. And I, I don't think out to me, the only guys that would truly affect the chemistry of this team, if you move them, would be Ja, Jaron, or Bain. And, and, and I don't, agree. I don't think you're going to see any of those guys move. You're, you're not going to see Ja Moran or Jaron Jackson or Desmond Bain moved at the timeline. Out of those three, I think Bain would be the only one that is even a small possibility, but I think that that is extremely unlikely at this point. The, the thing that I will remind you is – what you're hearing in the media of, well, the Grizzlies are interested in this guy. The Grizzlies are interested in this guy. Keep in mind that you didn't know anything about the trade with JV, Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe moving up to get Zaire Williams. You heard nothing about it. We, we were at work one day, phone goes off, Woj bomb. The Grizzlies have traded Jonas Valanciunas to the New Orleans Pelicans. This is their return. Whatever this front office is doing, they're doing it in the dark. And, and yes, that, that is on purpose. Welcome to the dark. <laughs> but, but, like, we will not know until it happens. I don't think that there's anybody in this front office that is going to leak it out before it goes down. Yeah, I man. I, I tweeted out earlier, and shout out to, to Lil Wayne for his reference, but since Zach Lyman is, is a real G and he moves in silence like, like lasagna, right? Um, and that's kind of what we've seen uh, from, from Zach Kleiman. You, you're not going to hear anything. Like, he's, he gets, he's a ninja, man. When, and, I, and, again, I think one reason for that is because he's extremely strategic. Even though they're proactive, I think they just kind of survey the room in, in, in silence. I don't think they're going out there, like, shopping anything. They just kind of let the room play to them. And I think that's kind of the smart way. That's the way they handle business. And that's kind of why you don't hear any rumors because I don't think they're – especially in the position they're in now, because I don't think they're in there out there necessarily shopping anything. I think they're just waiting around to see if anything comes to them that makes any sense because they're not in a position where they really need to do anything. So if if something happens, I think it's going to be one of those things like in a deadline, those those trades usually get a dump at the end of the day. And that's kind of usually where you kind of see the the Grizzlies kind of make a move. And I think that that was something similar we could see. What What are your thoughts? Do you think, do you think they do anything? I've always thought they do something. Like I don't I would be shocked with the assets that they have is just too much out there for them to just sit on and not do anything. I don't I'm not expecting anything big. Um and you talk about Desmond Bain. If 
he were moved out, we'd be talking something huge like uh, yeah, James Harden, Jalen Brown, something like that that popped yeah. up if they move him out, which I think is extremely unlikely. But again, man, I think they, you could see them do something a, a, around the margins, like I said, like a Culver second round for maybe one of the wings from Indiana or Being maybe a, a medium. Team, down, yeah. Like they could be a facilitator, get somebody to facilitate. Yeah. You know, they're, there are a ton of different options. I will say I did not think that they would let Gorgie walk without moving yeah, it because that, that of that expiring the contract, and they did. <laughs> so with the the thing about the assets that the Grizzlies have, they don't expire at this trade deadline. Yeah, you may, you may end up letting Kyle and Tyus, one or the other, maybe both walk with nothing in return. But those draft picks, as we get closer to the draft, the, I feel like the value on those kind of goes up. As you're, you know, they've, they've already got scouts that are out and they're studying these international players or studying the college players. The guys that are going to be eligible for this draft. They're out in front of that. They know who they're after. And so once you get the draft lottery and you find out, okay, the Lakers pick is going to be pick number 17, and then the Grizzlies is 23 and the, and the jazz pick is whatever, you know, you know where those picks are. All right. Well, now I know exactly where the pick is. Let me go and find a team that I either want to move up with or somebody that's going through a rebuild that has somebody the, the Orlando magic, I think have a couple of pieces on that team that would be good fits for the Grizzlies. Terrence Ross is a guy that can, you know, go out and get, he, he's great free throw shooter. He can, you know, he, he draws contact. Uh, he's a guy that can get his own bucket off the bench. Not a great defender, but if he buys into the team scheme, I think he'll be fine. Gary Harris is another guy on that team that I, I think he's a little bit younger and, and, and actually fits the timeline a little bit better. But but he's another guy that, that possibly they could go get. I honestly have no idea what they're going to do. My guess is the movements, the, the move that we see from the Grizzlies – happens in the off season. I don't think we see anything at the trade deadline. No, we'll, we'll see, man. Um, yeah, that, that, that's interesting. Again, I just think, like I said, I don't expect anything major. Uh, I don't even necessarily think that they're going to do a medium type deal, like a Harrison Barnes type deal, like they said, but I, I just think something, they're going to do something with Culver in, in, in a couple second round picks. That's, that's my prediction, but I, I think it's going to be extremely active. I know we say that every year, but it started off, with a bang, man. You're hearing now stuff about James Harden to Philly. I mean, there, there's all kind of stuff out there, and I love it, man. I'm here for it. Uh, I love trade deadline. And again, man, I, I I hope the Grizzlies do something something smaller. I just think there is something out there that can even can improve this team, even if it's around the fringes. It can be a guy that again could be someone on the wing that could be insurance if you lose Kyle Anderson this summer. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I mean, I, I think King Climb is gonna 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 get something done at, at this deadline, but. Oh, for, for the show, I hope so, man. It gives us something to talk yeah, about, you know. Definitely. But, but I just, I don't know, man. It, it's so hard to get a read. They're they're very analytical, and I know that they're not being quiet. Like they're on the phones, they're talking, they're discussing. There's no doubt in my mind that that is going on. I just don't know if we're going to see it happen. And hit, hitting another home run, this dude, like he's batting a thousand. Desire wins, man. <laughs> you know, Jill said something on uh, on Twitter the other day to me about it, and and I, I said I've never been happier to be wrong. He has been 
so good after coming back from his injury. Saw a stat today. He since returning from his injury, he's only shooting around thirty percent from three, which is or just below thirty. But on corner threes, he's corner shooting threes. 30, yeah thirty seven percent on corner yeah. threes since coming back from that injury. So get that man in the corner and get him the ball. Yeah, man. He, I, I think whether he's going to be an NBA level player, I think that's out the one. I think we already know that. I think the question now is just what is his ceiling? And, and I think at the beginning of the season, we didn't even know that. We didn't know whether he would would ever develop it into a true rotation piece. And I think I don't think there's any questions about that anymore. And, and again, it, it gives so much credit to this front office for playing him early. I mean, it looked like a deer in headlights, and they still continue to put him out there. And, and I, I said at that time that if, if he's going to develop, this is going to pay off probably this season. But I didn't know if it was going to pay off this much. I mean, he's fantastic, man. You just see the, the measurables, the length, what, what he could possibly do on the defensive end, being a 3 and D guy. Um, I mean, and I think it's just another piece that with the emergence of Bain that you kind of looked at at the beginning of the season, the front office didn't know what position they were in. I think Bain's emergence and what Zaire Wiz is doing is kind of taking away the need for them to do something. I mean, we kind of thought that we, they need to bring in a wing, and I don't necessarily – some people still say that, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I think they're already loaded and possibly have the guys that need they need, and I think it even allows you to possibly – and I know this is not a popular – I think there's a decision going to be made at some point on Bain, Brooks, and Williams, and I think Brooks has been out a lot this year. We'll see what, how he fits in when he comes back. We know what he brings to this team, and especially the energy and, and what he does for the culture of this team. But I think at some point you, you're going to have to make a decision because I think Zaire Williams is going to end up being a real player for this team, and I just think it's going to be hard to kind of have all three of those guys at, at that level. I think one of those guys is going to end up being moved at some point, and I think Zaire Williams, again, allows you to evaluate that, and it's really good to see him emerge in what he's doing for this team. and. He fits into the culture, man. You, John loves him, talks about him, say how much you trust him. And, and it's just good to see, man. All these guys on this team, man, are just fantastic, man. And I, I've never seen this. You've seen this on some college teams, but you just don't usually see this kind of camaraderie that, that you see with this team. And Zach Lyman, man, just keeps hitting on runs. I trust him 100% when it comes to, to drafting prospects. So I expect a, a big jump from some Santi Aldama, which he's been looking real good down there with the hustle. I, I expect him to to end up being being pretty good too, because I mean that's just what we expect from from this front office. I, I know a lot of people kind of question why they jump over the first round to get him. They must have seen something in him, man. And you can see some tools there. He to me, and it, 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 it's weird to say this, you can see some Kyle Anderson in him. I know he's a little mm-hmm. bit bigger, but but he's a guy that I think that could kind of bring that same skill set of Kyle Anderson is it, it, to to leave this team in this off this off season. I think he's a guy that could emerge into that role and it, be a little bit bigger in size and do some a little bit more rebounding and stuff like that. So, I, I, again, man, Zach Lyman in his front office, if they don't make a move in the, in the deadline, I trust that it's because there was nothing out there that they felt like benefited them in the short term or long term. Yeah, the injury report for Tuesday's game against the Clippers just came out. Santi Aldama, Dylan Brooks, Eves Ponds, and Killian Tilly are all out. Silly ankle with Dylan, right foot soreness for Santi. Uh, Eves is out, left thigh soreness, and Killian Tilly is his back. So, nothing really new. And, you know, the, the Aldama injury, he's been playing for the hustle. So, that, that's a little a little bit new. 
and I saw somebody's like, wait, we send Santi to uh, to the hustle, and they hurt him, and then send him back. Like, what is going? What's going on with that? But no, yeah, I think it's probably just a, a rest thing. I think you know they're going to be cautious. So the way this team is playing right now, you don't have to rush guys back from injury. And you know, I, I agree. At some point, you got to have that decision. My hope, because of where they're at with contracts and stuff like that, is that Dylan Brooks are one of these guys is willing to come off of the bench that that is my hope. And that that's, I know like that's living the dream. When you have a team that has this type of chemistry and you have a player like John Morant, sometimes players are willing to accept roles that they wouldn't on a different team because they want to stay and they want to stick with this. So that that's my hope. I'm I'm gonna be optimistic and hope that that is the case, um, but wouldn't be surprised if they made a move at the deadline. I hope they do, so we can discuss it. But if they don't, I think that the off season is gonna be busy again for the Grizzlies. I think we're about an hour here, man. You you ready to wrap it up? Well, I got a couple couple things I wanna wanna get into, uh, really quick. What I wanna touch on before we get out of here. Uh, shout out to, to, to Shaq Buchanan, man. 40 piece, honey gold, 14 rebounds, seven assists last night for, for the hustle, man. He's doing big stuff down there, man. Uh, I tweeted about it. He he retweeted it, man. But he's doing big things down there, man. I I, I would love to see him get an opportunity. Uh, but a big tank, seven to 10 from three, uh, 15 to 22 from the field, super, super efficient in, in the hustle's 110, uh, 97 win over the Texas Legends last night. Uh, but, but, but a big game for Shaq Buchanan. And also, man, Weirdly, I was just sitting here today, man. I was just doing some work on the computer. Some stuff like, look, go look up the Grizzlies' like all-time regular season win total, like and to see what it is. I don't know what told me to do this. I was just curious, man. I looked it up and added it all up, man. It came out to nine hundred and one victories, nine hundred one. Like I had to do it again to make sure my math wasn't all, man. That is weird that I would have done that today. Right now, it just happened to be at nine hundred one. Now we all hope that turns to nine hundred two tomorrow night, but. Man, I was happy to, to see that, man. That was kind of a weird, weird thing I came upon today. Yeah, just a, a, a happy coincidence right there, man. That, it, you messaged me about that. I'm like, what, what are the odds that that's, that's I know, like I did that today, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, some f- funny things happen, man. That, that's, uh, I'm going to be tuned in to uh, Twitter watching for, uh, is it Shams, Shams? I don't yeah. even know how to. Shams, Shams. Okay. Toronto, yeah. Yeah. So Shams and, and Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, Woj. Like, I'm going to be watching <laughs> those guys over these next few days. Got a a big uh, – we're doing a YouTube live video um, for the trade a trade deadline special for um, Sports Ethos. Do it every year, and we talk about the, the fantasy implications for it. So I actually get to um, – I'm on there with uh, Steven Vidovich. We are leading off. Starting at uh, it's eight a.m. Pacific time, ten a.m. Central oh, time. Oh man, getting so, getting in early on the trade yeah, deadline, guys. I uh, we 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 are going to get to talk about trades that that have already happened previously, and then the rest of the squad is going to come in and talk about it and break it down as the trades go on throughout the day. But really yeah, looking forward be, to that. Sounds so, fun. Yeah, get over and check that out. There, it's already up on the Sports Ethos YouTube page. You can go ahead and like the video. That will help people find it. So if you want to go over there and, and just look for um, Dan has tweeted out the uh, the link a few times, but just go to YouTube, search Sports Ethos, and you can see the uh, the trade deadline special video. It is already scheduled, so we'll be 
be doing that Thursday morning as we wind up. And, and I would love it if I'm on that live video and the Grizzlies make a trade, man. That that's because I'm all, I always go back when we were doing that draft night. Uh, video. Man, I'll never forget that, man. <laughs> I, I go back and I watch that video and you can just see it on my face that I was angry about the Zyra Williams pick. And now I'm eating crow for it, man. So I, I the there's nothing better than like a true live reaction to what's happening. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. And I, I'm hoping that we get to do more live video stuff here at Sports Ethos. We had a guy, an Allen, that was taking care of that and really getting up and running pretty well. And then he took a promotion at his job and had to kind of step away. So that, that stinks for us. But we, we will build that back up. And got to get Isaac on there at some point, man. Love it. Love talking basketball with him. And as you guys can tell from this episode, we watch more than just the Grizzlies. We like it all. If there's an orange ball and a hoop, we are watching it. <laughs> For sure. For sure, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, I, real quick, I, mean, I remember that draft night, man. I think it was weird timing. Like, it was like right when we jumped on there, uh, the Grizzlies had, were just making that pick. And it was like, oh, man, especially because we had talked so much about these prospects. And, and Zaire was kind of a guy that was kind of on our no draft list, especially at 10. I mean, we were thinking, okay, well, they'd be in position to get guys like Volk Knight and Moody. And they were right there. And you were, like, mm-hmm. excited awesome. when you saw those guys slip. You saw Orlando take Wagner, which I was a big fan of Wagner. He's, he's looked pretty good uh, in his first year. But you're thinking, man, they're going to get right there. They got an opportunity moved up. They get both guys, Moody, and it comes out Zion Williams. We're like, man, I don't I don't know. But, I mean, again, man, Zach Kleiman is it, – it's shown time and time again, man. He knows what he's doing, man, when they're evaluating and drafting these guys. And, like you said, I've never been, been happy to eat crow on that one. Yep, 100%. So we'll wrap it up, get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at David W2111. That is a new Twitter handle. So go and find me over there. If you were following me, find me again. I apologize. I had to start over, is what it is. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals, I S A A C underscore rivals. Uh, Grizzlies will be taking on the, the new look, so to speak, uh, LA Clippers. Norm Powell with a big debut in his first game. I think he had 28 points uh, last night for the for the Clippers. So he's already hitting the ground running. So going to be a, be a tougher game. But the Grizzlies are 3-0. Got a chance to sweep the season series tomorrow night. We'll be back with a post-game, uh, post-game wrap-up tomorrow night here on the East Coast Grizzlies podcast. Hopefully that 9-on-1 win total turns to 9 Tomorrow night will be cooler today than that 9-on-1. But, again, yeah, man, we'll talk to you tomorrow night. And until then, we go.